Welcome to the Flourish with Functional Nutrition podcast. I'm your host, Madeline Lowry, founder of Twin Cities Nutritional Therapy and a nutritional therapy practitioner specializing in chronic digestive issues, allergies, and autoimmune conditions. Join me for episode 15, where we meet Deanne Hill, nutritional therapy practitioner from Rockport, Texas. Learn how her challenges with Graves' disease led her to the field of nutritional therapy and away from her previous career in the business world. Hear how she was able to manage her symptoms through dietary changes instead of conventional medical therapy. Listen until the end to hear her quick tip for healthier living. As always, we must disclaim that the information we share in the podcast is for educational purposes only. Functional nutrition is similar to functional medicine in that it seeks to strengthen the systems of the body and address root causes of illness. As nutritional therapy practitioners, we do not diagnose or treat disease, and we recommend working with a qualified practitioner. Now, let's hear from Deanne. Welcome, Deanne. So great to have you on the show. I'm so excited to have you join me from Texas. Yes. Hi, Madeline. It is my pleasure to join you today. So um, just to get us started, I love to find out from everyone sort of how you found out about the field of nutritional therapy and what drew you to it. Oh, this is a really good question, Madeline. I was diagnosed with Graves' disease about 11 years ago, and after six years of allopathic medicine told me that they were going to either radioactively ablate my thyroid or remove it with surgery, I rejected that completely and said, no, we're not doing that. And went down the rabbit hole of internet health, (laughs) so to speak. So I spent a lot of time Googling and searching for uh, natural ways to heal autoimmune conditions, specifically Graves' disease. Um, I wound up on autoimmunepaleo.com, which is Angie Alt and Mickey Trescott. It's now, I believe, autoimmunewellness.com. But both uh, Mickey and Angie were an NTP and an NTC uh, specifically. So that's how I was introduced to it. And the way Angie and uh, Mickey went through the way of healing autoimmune conditions, it was so easy to understand. It was so personable. And I just, I loved what they were saying and how they were saying it. So that's how I found nutritional therapy. And I never looked back from there. And that's so interesting because I ended up with a copy of the Autoimmune Paleo Diet written by Mickey Truscott. Yes. And that is how I found out about nutritional therapy because I was looking at the, you know, the author's bio and I was like, NTP, what is that? And, and then I looked, you know, into the Nutritional Therapy Association and that was my entree. Yes, me as well. That's how I got there. Actually, the um, Autoimmune Paleo Cookbook was my first, it came to healing my autoimmune condition. Wow. And so how has that gone for you? Did you feel like you found success with their method? I did. I found a lot of success. I am a um, all or nothing kind of person. And I literally jumped into the autoimmune protocol 100% just cold turkey, dropped all of the things that are um, verboten, I guess you could say, on the autoimmune protocol and just went for it. I did my first AIP 
for three months and went completely off my thyroid blocking medication after that. It was fantastic. So for those that are not um, familiar with this, could you just give us a list, uh, the short list of sort of what it is you have to leave behind in the culinary world? So for me, being in in Texas, one of the biggest things that I had to leave behind was nightshades, which is the tomatoes, white potatoes, and peppers. Uh, Goji berries are also in there, but they're not nearly as common to my regular diet. The other things that I I left behind were um, grains and uh, legumes and dairy completely. Those three eliminations, I still maintain... uh, I do not eat grains at all, and um, I do not eat beans, any kind of legumes, and that has been just super helpful. Anytime I try to reintroduce those things, my body says no. Mm, And so legumes um, include peanuts as well. That is correct. Yeah. And do you, what about string beans, like green beans? Um, Beans where you eat the pods, such as string beans, uh, sweet peas, uh, and those kind of things, those have not been an issue. I can eat those just fine. Okay. So, and I, I believe autoimmune paleo also includes no eggs. Is that right? That is correct. Uh, having chickens now, I forget that I had to eliminate eggs for a while. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I think I just wanted people to understand that what you did, you went from standard American diet to autoimmune paleo. Is that right? That is correct. So that's like, that is like going... <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I can't I can't even think of what to compare it to. It's like going from kindergarten to a PhD program. I mean, it's like I mean, I, I, I kind of did this in stages. You know, I started having symptoms and then I um, went gluten free. And then two years later, the symptoms came back and I went grain free. And then the symptoms came back and I went grain and dairy and, you know, et cetera, free. And then finally I got to autoimmune paleo, but this is after four or five years. So to go from, from what you did A to Z like that, I mean, I think a lot of people would throw up their, their hands in despair, wondering what it is left that they could eat besides vegetables. And I did spend a little bit of the first couple of weeks I remember going through that and my husband saying, honey, you're not cooking any food anymore. What's going on? And he was on board with with the um, autoimmune protocol. He was completely supportive, but he missed all of the things that I had eliminated. So um, when I first did this, my kids were still at home and it was I would cook something additional to my meal for them. Um, So that was an easy way for me to transition, but I have always been an all or nothing person and that's just how I am hardwired. So yes, you're right. For most people, flipping that switch like that is would be very challenging. But for me, just the way that my mind works, it had to be all or nothing because if I permit myself just a little thing, it's gonna grow into a full blown, I'm just gonna jump off the wagon completely. So it sounds like you went all in, and then after some time, you uh, started to reintroduce some things and see what what could work and what wouldn't work for you. That is correct. That's exactly how it went. Okay. So how long did you wait before you started to add foods back? Three months. Okay. I and my so it the autoimmune protocol also eliminates coffee and chocolate because they are legumes. They are uh, derived from beans. So that's part of the elimination. And uh, I just couldn't say no to coffee anymore. 
After three months. <laughs> After three months, I just couldn't say no. Tea just was not cutting it anymore. Okay. So it sounds like you have eggs back in your diet. Are you still nightshade free? No, I am not. I eat almost all nightshades. Um, so yeah, tomatoes and peppers. And I don't eat white potatoes just because I don't like them. Um, I haven't tried to reintroduce them, so I'm not sure if I could eat that or not. How did you decide that you wanted to be a nutritional therapist as a profession? It was actually the culmination of years of procrastination <laughs> that got me into class last year. Um, mm. As my health improved, um, you know, your family and your friends watch you walk through these changes. And my friends and family, when I would go somewhere, I was that weird girl who brought her food to a potluck and only ate what I brought. I didn't bring it, eat anything else anybody else brought. So people make note of that and they, you know, they saw my life change and they saw me change. And I became the go-to person when they had questions about health and wellness. So, you know, that kind of got me on that track. I knew um, from my research that, you know, Mickey and Angie were NTPs and NTCs. So that introduced me to the NTA. Um, and then, you know, there was about five years that I completely denied that this is where I was supposed to be. And I said, you know, I was comfortable in my job. I was complacent. It paid well. But, you know, I just felt something was missing. Um, and I knew that this was where I was supposed to be. So I got to the, uh, the class itself. Um, two years ago, Hurricane Harvey hit my hometown in Rockport, where I live. And it was a Category 4 storm, completely devastated our town. And yes, that was two years ago. But for a lot of people, it takes a catalyst to push you a, a little bit forward to get you moving in the direction you're supposed to be going. And that's really what that did for me because it was such a wake-up call. It was a very traumatic experience. And it just told me, you know, I stopped and I said, is what I'm doing right now what I want to be doing five years from now? Mm. And the answer was no. And, you know, when I started, you know, really searching and, and praying about what it was I was supposed to be doing, I kept coming back to nutritional therapy. Hmm. So here I am. And so how many years had it been since you changed your diet wholesale and, and then enrolled in the program? About six years. Oh, okay. I, I drug my feet. <laughs> <laughs> and how did you pick Denver as a place to do it? Well, I, my husband and I, um, just decided that the uh, the class the cycle of classes that was happening when the Denver class started was the one I was going to be in, and I actually applied for the Dallas class, which is much closer to home for me, but they were full, and oh. I was waitlisted in Dallas, and so when Denver came up as an option. We said, okay, that's the one we're going to do. You know, we felt led that this is where I was supposed to be. This is the time frame that I was supposed to be doing the, the NTP course. And he fully supported and said, go, take the class in Denver, meet some new people, and we'll, we'll make it work. And so what were you doing as a, as a career before you entered the NTA? I was a purchasing agent for a large oil field services company. Um, I handled about $600 million worth of material every year. Wow. wow. So I did that for 11 years. Okay, so this is quite a change. It is a drastic change, definitely. Yeah. yeah. And so did people at work kind of witness your, your health 
journey and did they understand it when you made this big change? Oh, yes. They Mm -hmm. were completely supportive. When you work with a company um, for 11 years like that, it really becomes part of your family. And some of the people that I worked with, I had worked with them for the full time I was there. So not only did I see their families and their lives change over the course of time, but they also saw mine and were completely supportive. Um, The my boss at that location, I mean, he allowed me to do some of my um, my work that I needed for class right there in the office. And it was great. They were so supportive. And when I left, it was one of those, he said, you're always welcome back, but I know we won't see you again because you're going to be super successful. (laughs) That's great. Yes, it was really awesome. So, you know, after your training, so we've mentioned the NTA a few times, and that stands for the Nutritional Therapy Association, which is the entity that both trains and certifies nutritional therapy practitioners and nutritional therapy consultants. Um, how how did the training kind of, um, you know, you'd only kind of done the experiment on yourself, right? Changed yes. your diet, changed your life. How did getting that additional training kind of help you on your health journey or maybe help you um, with your, f- with family members? Or- so, the training I received from the NTA through the Nutritional Therapy Practitioner Certification reinforced what I already knew. And that was really great because the foundation of the NTP course is it's a foundational wellness. It focuses on bioindividuality, looking at each person as an individual instead of putting cookie cutter stamps on everyone. That just, again, it reinforced what I already knew. Um, I am much more conscious about how the food I purchase affects my body and affects um, my family. So that has been a a huge change. Um, I knew it before, but I didn't really own it, I guess is the best way to put it. And so now that I know you know, once you know, you can't, you, you make changes. And so I, I, we did, we've changed the way we source a lot of our food. We've changed, um, how we, how we buy with our grocery dollars. That's probably been one of the biggest changes, um, in my household is, you know, where we spend our grocery dollars has changed. Yeah. So higher quality food, organic yes. food. Okay. Yes. Yes. And when I eat something or when, you know, some, like if I travel and I see a, a symptom pop back up or something, it's much more um, easy for me now to pinpoint specifically what the issue was and then eliminate it and, and, you know, move back into wellness. So that has been a really nice change. And so um, it sounds like when you did the big dietary changes, you kind of involved your family, like you made them something on the side, but basically they're, they're eating a lot of the same stuff you were. Did you notice any changes with anybody, uh, the health and anybody else in the family? So I could only control what they ate while they were under the roof. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, they were high schoolers and my husband travels a lot for work. So I guess more than anything, the thing that I saw that that changed for them was they made different selections when they were away from home. Um, And they did, they, I did see, I guess a little behavioral change with my kids. They weren't as cranky as Mm. they had been before, which was a really nice change with teenagers. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I guess I would say the same in my own household is the same thing. (laughs) You know, kids are old enough that they're eating their own lunch at school and, you know, my husband eats whatever he wants, but... But um, like you, I mean, I, I basically, I 
I buy the food and I make the meals. And so uh, what we eat is what I can eat. And um, if they want something else, then they have to go get it themselves. And so as a result, we don't have bread really. That's right. There is no bread in my house. Yeah. I mean, we do occasionally buy a loaf of bread and it will get put in the freezer because we found that if you put it in the bread drawer, which is where we used to keep the bread, it just gets moldy because no one remembers that it's there. (laughs) (laughs) You're going to eat two slices and have to throw it away. Right, right. So we keep it in the freezer where, you know, people eat it very infrequently. But yeah, we don't have, um, we've cut down on a lot of things that um, I think most American families would see as staples. Yeah, there's not a jar of peanut butter in my cabinet. Yeah, weird. (laughs) Yeah, well, and my husband suffers from gout, and it is flared up by by legumes. So beans and peanuts flare his gout. We, you know, we were able to pinpoint what was causing uh, the flares when he would have them, and so we've eliminated that from our home completely. He used to, he loves uh, beans and he loves peanuts, but we just had to completely quit putting them in the house or he would have to deal with a flare. Well, it's great that you're able to make that connection, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Most people never make the connection. And that's, that's right. I think that's what part of what we as nutritional therapy practitioners try to do for our clients is to help them make these connections so that they can make smarter choices because there are a lot of things, a lot of chronic symptoms you can resolve in your, in your health. Um, by paying attention to diet and lifestyle and digestive strength, right? But yes, diet primarily. Um, and so, uh, you know, when, if people truly understood how much they could improve their health by paying close attention to their diet, right? What you put in your mouth, I think they would be um, astounded. I believe you're absolutely correct. Yeah, yeah. Especially those people that are going from, you know, they have puzzling health issues and they go from specialist to specialist trying to figure it out those are the people that i think should really give nutritional therapy a try because when conventional medicine has has failed in in terms of providing um you know an adequate uh resolution then you know it's i think a different method is worth trying absolutely and that that's one thing that nutritional therapy taught me was how to connect the dots and that was something that i guess i was a missing piece really for me. I had seen changes uh, in my own lifestyle, in my own um, dietary changes. I'd seen my body transform, but really to be able to connect those dots, to connect peanuts and beans to my husband's gout, that came after my nutritional therapy course. And so connecting those dots was so great and so um, helpful. And I love using that with my clients. So tell me about your practice as a nutritional therapy practitioner. I mean, what, what, what kind of clients do you see? What do you specialize in in terms of conditions? So I um, really specialize in autoimmune condition support and then blood sugar regulation um, for clients with like type 2 diabetes or pre-diabetic diagnosis. That's, that's the people that I really want to support. Uh, my typical client is going to be somebody who either is, can pinpoint a series of um, symptoms that relate to an autoimmune condition, maybe even without a clinical diagnosis yet, or someone who has been clinically diagnosed with an autoimmune condition, I want to support them as they move forward and outside of the allopathic medicine route. I've been down that road, and so I understand where they're coming from and where they're going. So that definitely um, 
Those folks are usually very eager and ready to see a more personal approach, which helps everyone. Um, the last time I went to my endocrinologist, I sat in her waiting room for an hour and a half. Mm -hmm. I talked to her for two minutes and then I went on down the road mm. and that that's so hard, but it's so typical of our Western medicine model right now. And when I tell a client that I'm going to sit down, I'm going to spend an hour and a half behind the scenes before I ever meet them. And then they're, they're, we're going to sit and we're going to talk for an hour and a half about what's going on in their life. And we're going to work together to formulate how are we going to approach this. They're completely shocked by that. That is so against the grain for what they're used to seeing. I agree. Yeah. I think people are shocked when they realize that they're the 90 minute visit. That's some that the initial consultation that I offer is like you 90 minutes. And I charge about $180 for this. And it, it seems kind of expensive. But when you realize that I'm spending four or five hours um, then you, <laughs> yeah, then exactly. you understand that no right. one's going to get rich as a nutritional therapy <laughs> practitioner, <laughs> right? That's right. Yeah, that's right. And you know, that's the thing. I, I do this as a passion more so than for profit. Yes. It's, it's great to be able to pay my rent and, you know, to buy a few groceries with the money that I'm going to make as a nutritional therapy practitioner, but it is not a retirement plan. Right. <laughs> for any by any stretch of the imagination, you know, for the blood sugar regulation um, where I'm located in South Texas is the highest per capita instance of type two diabetes in the entire country. All of the United States, we have the highest rate of type two diabetes diagnoses and more amputations from type two diabetes complications happen right here where I live. People are broken and our healthcare system doesn't tell them that they can change what they eat to change how they feel. Yeah. So why is it? Why is there a perfect storm of uh, factors in your area or? It is generational. Mm -hmm. um, there is a very high first and second generation Hispanic population mm. where I live. Mm -hmm. So yes, it's generational. But one thing that um, the that population tends to miss is that the food that was harvested where they came from in their homes in Mexico mm -hmm. is different than the food that's harvested where we are. Mm -hmm. You know, they grew corn in a field that they worked by hand mm -hmm. and they would harvest it and then they would grind it themselves. Whereas here they're going to the local grocery store and they're picking up a package of corn tortillas in a plastic bag that came from GMO corn right. that was sprayed with glyphosate and it's totally different. So while they feel like they're eating the same thing, they're getting a lot higher chemical exposure and it's changing their, the way their body handles the food that they're eating. Yes. And is your area an agricultural area with a lot of agricultural chemicals being used? Yes, it is. Mm, yes. Okay. Um, cotton and uh, sorghum are high, high crops in this area. We don't grow a lot of food crops, but there are a lot of industrial crops that are grown. Okay, yeah. So, I mean, I, from you know what I've seen and 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 read, I, the the whole epidemic of diabetes is related to not only the consumption of you know carbohydrates, particularly uh, simplified or refined carbohydrates, but also to toxin levels. Is that what you yes. understand? Yeah. 
Yes, that's the way I understand it as well. You know, the liver um, has a great amount of work to do. And when it is consumed with trying to detoxify the body, then other things get pushed to the side. And that blood sugar regulation can definitely suffer when a body is trying to detoxify itself. Okay, we'll get into more of that later. Um, Okay. uh, But I wanted to ask you if you have a quick tip for our listeners for healthier living. The quick tip I would say is set and maintain healthy boundaries. Hmm. Can you explain that a little bit? Yes, I can. So when so many of us live life outside of the margins. So if your if your life gives you 12 hours in a day or 14 hours in a day, then so many times our world tells us that we have to actually consume all of that time, the 12 to 14 hours, mm. that that margin is not acceptable. And by setting and maintaining healthy boundaries, saying yes is a gift, but also saying no is a gift. So when we live outside of those margins, when we live outside of our boundaries, then that creates stress. And stress is critical to the inflammation in the body, which leads to the autoimmune conditions and the blood sugar dysregulation. Mm -hmm. So when we can set and maintain and honor healthy boundaries in our life, it reduces our stress load, it reduces the inflammation load on the body, and we can all be healthier. Wow, yeah, that's a really great tip. I appreciate you reminding us of that because um, stress is such a key factor in so many chronic health issues and um, just learning to how to regulate your life so that you um, you manage that stress you know it's absolutely yeah yeah all right and um, how can people contact you if they're interested in um, continuing the conversation with you personally so my website is the pursuit of ordinary.com and I'm also the Pursuit of Ordinary on Facebook and Instagram. And you can email me at dan, which is two E's and two N's, D-E-E-A-N-N, at thepursuitofordinary.com. Now tell me a little bit about that moniker, the Pursuit of Ordinary. <laughs> what, what does it mean? So when a person is diagnosed with a chronic illness, mm. such as Graves' disease, you don't feel normal anymore. And... Since my diagnosis, I have been pursuing feeling normal and that to be ordinary. When we go to the doctor, we want to hear that our test results are normal, that we're ordinary. And so pursuing that ordinary is about trying to find through nutrition and through lifestyle how to be just ordinary and not a diagnosis. Yeah, I I love that. Um, and do you see distance clients or just clients in your area? I do see vir- see clients virtually, and um, we can set those appointments up the same way that you would set up an in-person appointment. Okay. Well, great. Thank you so much. We'll record a second episode with you um, at a later date about your specialty and your practice. Awesome. Thank you so much, Madeline. Thank you. Thanks for joining us for the Flourish with Functional Nutrition podcast. Please listen again and remember to follow us and leave a review on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, or Stitcher. 
To learn more about Twin Cities Nutritional Therapy or check out our podcast page, visit tcnutritionaltherapy.com. To find a nutritional therapy practitioner in your area, use the provider search at nutritionaltherapy.com. Until the next time, be well and flourish. Content of this podcast copyright 2019 by Twin Cities Nutritional Therapy. Music by Barbara Benn.